1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
0: On 882 6PR, inspiring stories for Barra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments, because the little things are everything.
1: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Our guest uh, in this episode uh, is many things. He's actually officially retired, but uh, he tells me he's busier than ever. Uh, He's a historian, he's a lecturer, he's a broadcaster, uh, but I think perhaps underneath all of it, he is someone who uh, is a great champion uh, for Perth and its uh, colourful Heritage. So let's learn about uh, Perth and let's learn about Richard. Often, my guest in this episode of Inspiring Stories. Hello, Richard. Hello,
2: Tim. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Thank you. Uh, you get very
1: excited about Perth. I do. Yeah.
2: I got excited the first day I visited it in 2001. I
1: mean, I, I, I look. I'm no detective, but I <laughs> I do detect yeah. uh, an accent there from the from the mother country.
2: Oh, did <laughs> you it, guess? Have yeah, I been allowed
1: to call it the mother country? Well, probably not, but probably anyway. Probably not, no. Let's just say from the UK. Yeah, that's
2: D- right. Tell as, me about as, the
1: first time you landed in Perth.
2: Well, let me just say first, I yeah. always say that I'm from a place a good deal north of Geraldton. Um, yeah, you know, a good deal. Some people find that hard to believe there is anywhere north of Geraldton. <laughs> but that's, I was here on a National Trust Exchange visit, so I came to visit the National Trust of Western Australia. And one of their staff came and picked me up at the airport. I think it was about lunchtime or something like that. Yep. And as I do today, whenever visitors come for the first time, drove me back through the city. And I can't have been more than an hour and a half off the plane. And I'd fallen head over heels in love with this city. Why? What was that? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because I'm not a, a city person. I've, yeah. This is the first city I've ever lived in. in the world. No, that's untrue. I, I spent five months in Washington working, which was interesting i think it was well the weather for a start yeah you know having come from a dull and dank and wet uk to here um, it's openness not only in terms of its its scenery and its its design but the openness and friendliness of the people um it's it's a very green city in terms of colour and foliage yep. wherever you look you you go up into king's park and look at the city and you see almost more trees than buildings mm. They cover a lot and they're there for shade. Um and it's got a river that is beautiful. Mm. James Stirling, who was the the man who settled the Swan River colony, came into Perth Water and wrote in his diary that it was the most beautiful place of its kind he'd ever seen. Mm. I'm inclined to agree with mm. him still to this day.
1: Mm. And, and yet as someone who um history's been a you know a massive part of your yeah. of your life in uh, you know, I suppose in a personal sense and a professional sense coming from the uk which has a, a much much longer history that you can that you can chart uh, ours is relatively short in terms of at least uh, you know first colonial. english settlement here yeah um did that not sort of uh, put you off or or it's, think wow well, there's really not much for me to go back over here
2: it's funny you're not the per- first person to have asked me that. I, I bet. Um, uh, and you've Sorry got to, to remember. Be so no, no, that's all right. <laughs>
1: it's fine.
2: It's great. It gives me the opportunity to to spout a bit. Yeah. Um, you've got to remember that whilst there is a huge amount of history in 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 the UK, and it only goes back about four or five thousand years, people think of Stonehenge, which is the oldest probably standing monument to man, mm. and that's only about four thousand years old. Mm. This area we're sitting in now in Perth, mm. we know has been inhabited for at least forty to fifty thousand years. And so that history, although it's far more subtle, you can't see yep. because the Aboriginal people here were not about building big monuments. Yeah. The evidence is there and it's very exciting because we're living alongside the oldest culture on the planet. Yeah. And I find that humbling and fascinating. And What we seem to forget in Western Australia is what we've got that is so special. For a start, up in the the Pilbara, we've got the oldest evidence of life on the planet, which are some fossilised stromatolites, which are three and a half billion years old. Mm, That makes my head hurt. Yeah, Yeah. me too. Uh, We've got the oldest man-made tools on the planet, which are little stone axe heads from the Kimberley. And then on Barrow Island in the Pilbara, once again... We've got the oldest evidence of man communally living and mm. cooking food, all here in Western Australia. Mm. Now, that's history you can't disregard. And why we don't market ourselves as a historical and a heritage tourist attraction, I just do not understand, because it's mind-blowing. Yeah. It, and then, sorry to interrupt, there's that fairly short, not quite 200 years of colonial history, Yeah, which is interesting and and very amusing in equal measure because the people who came here suddenly realized they were fifteen thousand miles from headquarters and it was going to take six months for most messages to get back Whoa, hey we can do what we like yeah and then claim that no we didn't get the message
1: had a clean slate
2: yeah yeah exactly so it was it was an open book for me and and you know mm. I was pushing on a on, on an almost open door
1: when you first came here though and thought I love this place I want to get to know it uh, it's history uh, were you aware of that of that rich indigenous history at the time here or was your focus more on the Colonial history of
2: vaguely aware of it. Yeah, um, I became more and more aware in that month that I stayed here yeah. of, of just how fascinating it was. And I'd spent some time in Sydney before um, with the National Parks and Wildlife, and they took me to see some amazing places, Aboriginal places, a, a, a dreaming place, and some cave paintings that were 15,000 years old. And I was beginning to think. I've never seen anything like this in Europe, mm. so it was fascinating. And on that visit, I never ever thought, much as I loved it, that I would get back here and mm. and, and make this my home. And I'm very proud of it as a home.
1: So, so what did, year you, did you did you settle here in? I WI? visited
2: that that visit was 2001. Yep, I, I went back and still had this huge love affair with the place. I started. I left. I came on an exchange visit with the National Trust. I started my own heritage management consultancy and worked to try and get some work out here to see if it would be possible to um, get here permanently. There were other changes in my private life at the, the time that, that made it possible to do that. Mm. And eventually I got the job with my partner of doing the feasibility study and strategy for what became Heritage Perth thought, well, that's nice, and it gave us a little bit more time in in Perth. And then, of course, that got legs, and I applied for the job of executive director. I think it was a fair fight. I believe there were five (laughs) candidates, but I didn't just know the plot. I wrote it, so I I had a a bit of an advantage. And I think the, the, the thing that I perceived in that month that I was here in 2001 was that you've got all this heritage and history, but actually you were pretty useless at selling it to the public. Mm. And I came to a place where there'd been an, a Heritage Act since 1990. So it had been in place about 10 or 11 years when I got here. And it was considered by most people to be a, an infringement of our civil liberties. You know, how dare the the, the state impose these, what they saw, very restrictive um, covenants on, yeah. on, on properties. And I thought, well... That's not the way to do it. You've got to convince people of this amazing history and heritage and convince them that you really can't, you mustn't lose it. Mm. And my job with the National Trust in the UK was to run nationally a campaign called uh, Enterprise Neptune, which enabled the National Trust to buy up unspoilt pieces of the British coastline in England, Wales and Northern Ireland. And... I managed that, and I soon realized once I got there, every time we had a special appeal to raise some money, um, I had to explain to people what Neptune was. Mm. And so I started a press campaign or a media campaign so that we were always getting nice, fuzzy, good stories mm. in the press. I became known as the Media Tart in the National <laughs> Press Office of the Trust. And it worked. A, a badge that you wore with, I, with, with some, some honour. With great pride. <laughs> and it worked because everybody knew. If we said we wanted some money to buy Lizard Lighthouse in Cornwall, people would go, oh, yeah, Neptune. They've got all the pretty seals and the terns that nest mm. and the puffins. And they immediately said, yeah, we'll help you with that. Yeah. And I knew that was a transferable skill and that we could do just the same here. Yeah. And we have.
1: You certainly have, and um, we want to get into that uh, in more detail. And I want to ask you as well about, um, you know, when you hear the term Dolesville and and, and <laughs> you know soulless that some people who who like to bash Perth uh, throw out there. I can I can see your blood boiling a little bit during this ad break, here, so. I'll have an apoplectic fit. <laughs> Carry on. So <laughs> I'll throw that hand grenade your way right after we take a break. This is inspiring stories. Our special guest. Uh, is Perth uh, Historian and uh, Heritage Champion uh, Richard Offen. (laughs) I've just given you a new title.
0: 882 6PO. Back with more soon. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Our special guest is Richard Offen. Richard, one of the things that you've done now for, for several years is take people on walking tours around Perth, showing them all of the the landmarks it's uh, showing off, around really. Perth. Look, I'm going to put my hand up and say, I've not done one of your walking tours, Richard. <laughs> what am I missing out? And who are the people that go on these tours? Are they locals or are they tourists? Who are they?
2: A lot of locals because one yeah. of the first things Heritage Perth did was in try and encourage people to be tourists in their own town. Because people told me when I first get, got here, oh, we haven't got any heritage. Well, Certainly yes, haven't got any left. We knocked it all things, down exactly. in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Well, no, we didn't. We've got some very significant stuff, some very beautiful stuff left. And uh, so it's it's a real mix. I'm, I'm always delighted to see that get a, quite a number of young people mm. on, on the tours, um, obviously interstate and international visitors. Mm. But the predominant majority are locals. And it's interesting how many times people say to me on a tour, we take them to the Madge, and they said, you know, I've never looked at this building in this way. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. And so, yeah. It's, so it's, you're
1: just pointing out what's right in front of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And it always takes somebody from outside to tell you what you've got. Yeah. Because you're so busy going about your daily life. Yeah. You don't look at what's mm. around you. A little example of that, uh, Heritage Perth's first campaign was Look Up Perth because I got the city's heritage officer to take me on a guided tour on my first day running Heritage Perth. And I suddenly realised as we walked down Hay Street Mall, every two seconds he was saying, now if you look up there, that's the Theatre Royal. That was built in 1896. At ground floor level, 20th century shop fronts, mm. And then you look up and wow. So we decided to to do a look up Perth, to get people looking mm. up and seeing these old buildings. And we launched it because I like stuff that's outside the box. I didn't want fuddy-duddy picture of a family looking up at a building and going, oh, and R. So we launched it carnival style in yep. Hay Street Mall. We had stilt walkers. We had drummers. We had everything. And the launch, which was by the then-Lord Mayor, Peter Natris, took place on the balcony of the old Theatre Royal, which is next to London Court. And... Um, The organiser and I were were out at half past eight in the morning getting ready and we put a banner along the front of the balcony and we stood on the roadside or down in the mall looking up to make sure that the banner was level and so on. And two young people in their 20s walked past with their cup of coffee and looked up because people always look up when you're looking up. And one of the girls said, jeez, I've lived here all my life and I've never seen that before. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, this is going to work, and it did. We had one complaint: people said they kept walking into people and walking into <laughs> lamp posts and things because they were blasted well looking up.
1: <laughs> and I suppose now the battle is getting people to uh, look up from their phones oh, that yeah. they're walking Absolutely. around glued to. Absolutely. So the challenge yes. to get people to look up now is significantly so more difficult.
2: We cured that one too because yeah. Heritage Perth was the first organisation, as far as I'm aware, in Australia to introduce a guided tour on your iPhone and, and mm. app. And um, that were, it was not as easy in those days because we hadn't quite got to the stage we have with Wi-Fi and, and mm. stuff. But it worked and we had 10 places on the tour and it was very, very popular. So, you know, if you can't beat them, join them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way. It is. So can I ask, when you, when you take people on these tours, are there always particular spots around... The Perth what, city that really make people's eyes light up.
2: Oh yeah, the, the like, places like His Majesty's Theatre. Yeah, the the oldest building in the Perth, in Perth, which is the old the old courthouse down in uh, Stirling Gardens. Yeah, a new one that I added following the amazing restoration of what is now the the, the government offices, the the old Treasury building. Yep. I suddenly realised round the back on the Town Hall side is the oldest surviving piece of brickwork in Perth because the first stage of that building, which was the government offices, was built down Barrack Street in 1875 and incorporated the guardhouse of the 63rd Regiment because that entire area bounded by the Terrace, Hay Street, Pier Street and Barrack Street was the um, barracks of the 63rd Regiment who were brought here in 1829 to protect protect the settlers Mm. and they had a guardhouse on uh, barrack street Mm. and that was incorporated into the new building and used as the police court and when they opened up the back of the building next to the uh, new supreme court building uh, they revealed some of the brickwork now that guardhouse was built in 1833 1834 the old courthouse was built in 1836 so there's a little piece of brickwork Right from the very beginning mm. of Perth. And it's the only older building in, in the colony is the Roundhouse, which was built in 1830 yeah. down in Fremantle.
1: A, another great landmark. Exactly. Thankfully, has yeah. survived. Oh, yes. Um, of all the buildings that we've knocked down, though, oh, in, in the last, you know, <clears throat> well, almost 200 years. Yeah. Uh, Which is the one that breaks your heart?
2: Oh, I think probably, well, there are a couple actually. The AMP building, which was opposite the Old Palace Hotel on the corner of of, um, William Street and St George's Terrace. That was built in 1910 and it was a magnificent piece. There's still some of it left. The famous statue that stood on the top called Protection of of the arms of man round a family representing the AMP um, insurance is actually on an island in Herdsman's Lake right. at the moment That was it was bought from <laughs> someone the Demo- dumped yeah, it there it, well not quite it, it's got an interesting story in that it was bought from the demolition contractors in yeah. 1973 I think they knocked the AMP building down by Lou Whiteman after whom Whiteman Park is right. named and it evidently sat in his garden in Guildford um, and, until he died and then a private owner bought it. Interestingly, at one point, whilst Lou owned it, um, the AMP asked if they could buy it back. And <laughs> he said, no, bugger off, you didn't look after it when you had it. I'm Fair enough. It. Yeah. yeah. And it was bought by a private owner who put it on their property out there. Right. And I always used to say that's the only piece of the AMP building that's left. And at a talk I was giving a number of years ago now, a lady said, no, it's not. We've got two doors on our dining room that came out of the AMP building. And it was very lushly um, kitted out with jarra panelling and yep. doors and so on. And again, her husband bought these doors when they were building their house from the demolition contractor wow. and have them. So wow. you just never know where you're going to see yeah. such um, things. Yep. And the other one, and you can see similar examples to it, was another insurance building, the, the, the CMLA building, uh, Colonial Life Mutual assurance which was on the corner of um Shenton court yep. and uh, St George's terrace um that was built in the 1930s just after the great depression mm. and it was a supreme art deco building mm. um it was a standard cmla design which was uh drawn up by Hennessy and Hennessy in Melbourne, and they used it for all of their headquarters in the States. And you can still see the one in Adelaide, which is very similar to the one we had here, and there's a mini version of it in Hobart. Uh, Sydney and Brisbane have lost this, as as we have. Mm. Um, And the interesting thing on that was it was very Art Deco, which was what you would expect in the 1930s. Cinema architecture, I used to call it as a kid. Uh, because the only place I experienced it was when I went to the cinema, Um, it had all sorts of grotesques and statuary around the building. But on, I think it was about the third floor, there was a little frieze of the heads of of men. And they were the directors of CMLA at the time, and they had their images put into the (laughs) building. (laughs) Quite novel, really. But um, another magnificent building. It was the yep. first to have a high-speed lift and all sorts of um, interesting things in its history. And, and and it was pulled down here It was for, pulled down. Uh, uh, what's well, there, it's, what's uh, there now? It's the um, Exchange... No, it's there's another CMLA or Colonial Mutual yep. building there now. Not something quite something as quite inspiring. <laughs> yeah, yes. Not quite as inspiring as its predecessor.
1: Because, I mean, I know, I know this probably applies to just about every you know, modern Western city, but you, when you see some of the photographs that you've pulled together for your your books that you've yeah. put out, um, I mean, it just... It,
2: it is heart-rending, but you, as, as yeah. I say in... It
1: breaks, it, it's heartbreaking to see all the, the history that's yeah. been knocked down for something really pretty unremarkable.
2: Which was thought to be re- remarkable when it yeah. was put up. Yeah. What What I say in the introduction to my book, Lost Perth, is that we must remember at the time these buildings were... Pulled down, they weren't considered to be old and historic. They were just no. considered to be old fashioned, mm. and we all—I think it's a kickback from the austerity of World War Two. Mm. We all wanted new things, uh, uh, and and we were quite happy to see old buildings knocked down. It it didn't matter. It wasn't in the psyche as it is today. Dillsville,
1: I'm just going to throw oh, it at you. What did absolutely. you think when when that? term first was was launched well, in, in Perth's direction and and really took hold
2: it was already ta- it had already taken hold when i arrived to yes. live here and frankly could, we couldn't understand why yeah um, there was there was an embarrassment of riches culturally um, at, at reasonable prices lots and lots <laughs> going on and i came to the conclusion those that labeled it Dunsville, mm. You could drop them in the heart of Greenwich Village in New York and within an hour they'd be saying, oh, there's nothing Mm -hmm, to do here. It's boring here, isn't it? Mm -hmm." So, you know, (laughs) beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Dullness means that you're dull enough not to be able to find things to do.
1: Because a lot of people still buy into that tag. Unfortunately. they say, oh, I went into the city last week and, you know, it was empty. There was no one there. Half the shops were shut. It, it has no soul. Um, most of the
2: history's gone. You know, yes, these are the sorts yes, of things you yes, hear. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, that you'll get murdered in as you get off the bus. <laughs> yes, you know, that too. Particularly in Northbridge. That too. Oh yeah. Utter rubbish.
1: So, exactly. It's a war zone in there. <laughs> yeah. How do you respond to that? I mean, once you get over the initial rage, well, well <laughs> how do I you say, respond to
2: open that? your eyes and go and look round. You don't need lots of people about, although there are lots of people. Whenever I come into the city, I'm not a great lover of crowds. I find it's overcrowded. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a, a complete off it complete opposite. Yeah. But there is so much to do here, so much culturally. We've got pretty much the largest fringe festival in the world. We've got mm. one of the best arts festivals. We have the winter festival. There is always something to do, and not all of it is outrageously expensive. In fact, yeah. very little of it. Mm. Um, it was interesting... So that, I think it was last year or the year before, um, there was a drop in interstate and international tourists. Mm. And on social media, and I'm afraid I do dive in occasionally, uh, people were saying, well, I'm not surprised. Going to things like the zoo, and, and they listed a few places, is so outrageously expensive. So I did a quick web check. And for the equivalent of the zoo... Taronga Zoo in Sydney and the London Zoo were about twice the price of, yep. of, of Perth Zoo. Mm-hmm. It was the same for things like the Roundhouse. Um, everything here is actually, in real terms, cheaper than their equivalents in mm. other parts of the world. Yep. So don't
1: you play don't that get one you started before we go to the break. One then me. just on the the attraction of tourists to Perth, it seems very events driven now, it is. and here we are, you know, having this chat. Uh, In the pretty new, brand spanking new um, Optus Stadium. Yeah, and what a magnificent, you know, which is a a great modern landmark. Dunning, as I walked here. Um, But this seems to be one of the tickets to getting tourists here, not the sort of stuff that you're talking about.
2: And and that's just, I'm sorry, I mustn't bag them too much. That's just poor marketing Mm. and a lack of understanding of what we've actually got here. I've been campaigning for the last fifteen years. For us to make more of of being a heritage tourism destination, yep. it seems to me that tourism here wants to get you out of Perth. They want you to go to Wave Rock and the pin- pinnacles, and then get you up to Cable Beach, or or perhaps down to Albany. And um, there are so many heritage riches to be seen mm. that you could put some fantastic visits together. Mm. Wave Rock is interesting. There's a there's a, a not quite similar, but a a geological formation in Northern Ireland called the Giant's Causeway. And the famous uh, character of the 18th century, Dr Johnson, was taken to see see it from London. And he said, it's worth seeing, but not worth going to see. And I think that's the case with some things that we, we, we market here. That sense of, oh, is that it? Is that it? Oh, right. Okay.
1: Right. So we're back on the bus and just retrace our steps now. Yes. Right. <laughs> yes. Let's take a break. Um, after that, I want to dig into uh, where this history buff came from uh, and also talk about your books because it's some incredible photos of, uh, of Perth in, in years gone by. Uh, and comparing them to what we have now, it's quite remarkable. You are looking at two different places, but I want to know where all these photos come from. Aha. Uh-huh. So let's uh, take a break. More for, with uh, Richard often our special guest,
0: on Inspiring Stories soon. This is 882 6PR. You're listening to another Inspiring Story, brought to you by Barra and O'Day, because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6 br Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything.
1: Welcome back to WA's Inspiring Stories. Everyone has a story to tell. This one is brought to you by Barra and O'Day. And I suppose we're hearing the story uh, not only of Richard Offen, but uh, also the history uh, of Perth at the same time. But let's take you to a time now that precedes your arrival in Perth. Um, tell us about the, the, the child, oh, Richard, I mean, when when did this love of, of history and just wanting to know the backstory, well, when did that take hold of you and, and, and where did it come from?
2: I think it, it's always been there and it was really my dear old dad who was responsible. Yeah. And I must just point out that by profession, I'm not a historian. I, I actually trained as an engineer when I was <laughs> at school, I had this difficult choice to make because I enjoyed science very mm. much particularly the history of science, strangely enough, and history. But I I perceived at that time I would make a better career in engineering than I would in, in history. You know, I didn't at that time, although I did later teach, um, fancy being a teacher and, uh, you know, it, it, it just just went that way. But my sister and I, we grew up in a, a little country town, market town called Tentadon in the Weald of Kent um, in the 1950s and 1960s. I think Parts of Tented and hadn't even realized there'd been a war on, although you know. <laughs> um, so, one of those classic little
1: little hamlets oh, that you might it, drive through. Oh, and,
2: lots and, and lots of villages. Would you stop to take a
1: photo of it? Was oh, it that picturesque? We, more yep. than that, because yep.
2: my father was fascinated in local history yep. and family history. Mm. And although he was, a, he was a very quiet, gentle soul, he was a great raconteur and like me loved the stories of places Mm. and he'd been brought up in the weald of kent Uh, my granddad was the town butcher intended and we're talking of market town of about five thousand souls you know it wasn't big we knew everybody and they knew me which was always a problem if you wanted to misbehave (laughs) because they damn soon got back to dad or granddad or whatever um my father we would drive through a place and and he would Tell tell my sister and I some story yep. about it, and very often we we would always go out if the weather was reasonable, which meant it wasn't mm, all that often. hardly ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, come rain or shine, we would go out on Sunday afternoons for a drive, a walk with a picnic, and we would always stop and look at something yep. old. It might be a church. One of my still to this day one of my favourite areas of Kent is Romney Marsh, which is an area on the south coast, the English Channel coast of, of Kent, um, adjoining Sussex. And it was drained by the Romans. Uh, it's got a series of beautiful little villages, mm. um, a town called Lyd, L-Y-D-D, and another one called New Romney, with fascinating old churches. There's a church called Brooklyn. Um, and... There is marshy ground. They had to build a wooden bell tower beside the church because the land at the end of the church was so boggy. And if you go into the church, the pillars that support the roof lean out at an angle that actually is beyond the theoretical point of collapse but something holds them together, and they don't fall over. And the, some and the sort of divine intervention there, yeah. perhaps. And and so Dad would tell us stories. There's a story of this bell tower that sits beside the church, not on the end of it. Um, Dad told us that there was a legend that the village was not very good at getting married. You know, people lived <laughs> lived in sin. And um, one day, a couple, a young couple, went to the the rector. And said we want to get married, and the church tower was so surprised it leapt off the side of the church and landed in the churchyard, <laughs> and, and so it was things like that yeah. that brought colour. yeah And at home we had books about the history of Kent, and I just used to love reading them and, mm. and and finding out, and that just just continued. And even when I was working as an engineer, I still had a passion for history, and and. I suppose Did the you other... ever
1: work out the engineering mystery of the pillars holding up the church? There? No.
2: <laughs> that was beyond mathematics. <laughs> that was design, divine providence, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I also was lucky enough to, at the age of eight, start bell ringing in the local church in, right. in Tentadon. And there, again, it brought me into contact with this amazing history of of change ringing, as we call it, Mm. as performed at the bell tower, Mm -hmm. which goes back to the 17th century. And bells that we were ringing that went back to the 14th century. And again, I saw all this history and became fascinated by that and have indeed written lots of articles on the history of different rings of bells and different aspects of, of bell ringing. And I suppose it all meld into one. I went in, eventually went into teaching for a few years and then got a job with the National Trust. And that, again, like my move here, was because we had a desire to move from Kent, got a young family, up to Shropshire in the West Midlands. And yeah. I know there was a biscuit ad and everybody would go, oh, Shropshire!
1: Shropshire on the map, thanks to it's the a, power of advertising. Exactly.
2: It's a beautiful county and yeah. I was lucky enough to get a job with the National Trust there, yeah, which meant that I could wallow in the history and heritage of, of Britain yeah. for the next almost 15 years and, yeah. and, and learn all not only all about it and its history, but also how to manage it and how yeah. to promote it and how to market it. Mm. Because the National Trust, the UK National Trust, is the largest heritage organisation in the world. It's got 5.5 million members. It's got over 200 country houses, half a million acres of land... And it really does know how to do the job. Every time I go back, Mm. I go to a National Trust property and go, yeah, this is the way to sell it. They're doing it well. They are, yeah.
1: And and when you go back now, are you still as fascinated in the the history there? I mean, there is just a mind-blowing amount to learn. Yeah, yeah.
2: And uh, as Mm. with the history here, Mm. the more I know... The more you want to know. The the more I want to know and the more I realise... I know very little. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there, there's that passion to learn more and more. And, yeah. uh, you know, we went back for, for, for a while in September last year. And I think I clocked up 10 new National Trust properties that I'd not been to before.
1: So, you're, you're a proper nerd.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yes. I'm proud, proud of it. Of it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: you mentioned the, 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 the Bells there. And I know you've had, um, you know, an association with the, with the Bells here in Yes, Earth. indeed. Yeah. In terms of examples of, of bringing the old and the new together, do you reckon they got it right with the Bell Tower here oh, yes. in Perth? Because people, I know, again, very polarising, I think. Yeah, yeah, I know people who absolutely despise the Bell Tower as a piece of architecture, think the bells are great, but then, but then together think, is that a mismatch? Does it work? Is that something that we can really celebrate here in Perth? You know, as a bringing together of, of old and new. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well,
2: I, I am biased, but uh, I'm now chairman of the management board. Right. But um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think it's an, it is it is unique, and yes. I'm always very nervous of using the word unique, but it is the only one of its kind in the world. I think it's a very clever and beautiful piece of architecture. Yep. Um, there are lots of people who say, oh, it's far too small. It should have been three times the size. Yep.
1: Actually, The the rusty syringe, I've heard it being
2: referred to as. All sorts of fairly derogatory terms. Some fairly rude terms (laughs) associating it with Richard Court too, who was the premier at the time it was built. (laughs) But we won't go there. Um, When it was sitting on the edge of the Esplanade and so on, actually it was perfectly in scale with its surroundings. Mm. That's not quite the same now that you've got the hotel and the apartments next door. And it's a shame that it's being masked, I, I still think that they could have made more of it as part of Elizabeth Key, and not just hidden it, but that's mm. politics for you, I guess um, It is a, an excellent melding The 12 largest bells in the tower came from uh, St Martin in the Fields in London, where I used to ring very regularly in the early 70s and if anybody had told me that I was going to be captain of those bells on the other side of the world, I'd laughed like Billio, you know, incredible. Yeah. Um, they were not considered particularly good, um, but they were tuned, which is a process to make them sound better and brought over here, and they are stunningly good. Yeah. And we are very, very, very lucky to have them. Yeah. So, again, it's a tourist attraction, and now we've got the amazing six-and-a-half-ton Anzac Bell, um, which is the heaviest bell in Australia, mm. um, and, and was the first one to be cast here in Australia at that size, and it was cast here in, in Perth. Mm. Um, it it It's yet another part of, of our heritage that is being a draw for tourists. Yep. It's interesting. It was being bagged a lot. It's reduced over the years because people forget it's 20 years old this December. Um, if you go into any tourism information station around the world and ask for something about Perth, What's usually on the cover? Yeah. The bell tower. Yeah. It's the equivalent of the Sydney Opera House. Yeah. And we should just look mm. at it for mm. that and be proud of it.
1: Well, before we go to another break, uh, another controversial landmark that's been uh, a hot topic of discussion for some time and earmarked for development. You know what I'm going to ask you about now, don't Which you?
2: one? <laughs> <laughs> there are so many.
1: <laughs> Let's go to Cottesloe Beach.
2: Ah, uh, The United yes. House. Yes, yeah.
1: I, I mean, so many different views on there. We've yes. seen some... Yeah. Um, some well, some very different, but some very extravagant, uh, mocked-up designs for what could be there in its place. Some people just want to leave it as it Wanted, is. Yeah. Some people uh, want to uh, just refurbish what we have.
2: What What are your I, thoughts? I must admit, and I shall probably get stoned when I get home. <laughs> Cottesloe is a seaside town. Yeah. Um. i I know seaside towns probably better than any uh, with my work with Neptune Coastline Campaign. Hmm. Um. I rather like seaside towns like Cottesloe, as they are with a slightly rough edge to them. The Indiana Tea Rooms, the building that we see there, is is only 30 years old. Mm. But again, what do you see on most tourism information? Well, exactly. Yeah, it's um, one of
1: those... It's one of the, it, it, it's, it's, an iconic it's, it's building. It's the most photographed building in Perth.
2: I think it probably it? is, yeah. al- along with the little boat shed along yes. um, Mounts Bay Road. Um I would be very sorry to see it go, and and this is this is a personal yeah. opinion. I I just like Cutterslow pretty mm. much as it is. I agree that you've probably got to improve the facilities, and and perhaps tidy mm. up a little bit, but please not too much. It's, yeah, it's just it's d- a seaside town. It's fish and chips, thongs, and wet sand. Yeah, and it should remain like that forever. That's yeah. that's part of the charm, and that's part of what brings people to it.
1: Yeah. All right. Well. I hope you don't get, um, get mugged <laughs> in the street the, for saying... the last time I'm ever on 6PR. <laughs> Let's hope not. Let's take a break, though, and take our chances with uh, getting you to stay with us for a final <laughs> segment in this chat. Anyway, Richard, uh, this is Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest
0: is Richard Offen. Back with more soon. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything... This is Inspiring Stories with Tim McMillan on 882 6PR. Brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Because the little things are everything. Welcome back
1: to WA's Inspiring Stories. Richard Offen is our special guest in this episode. Richard, I want to ask you quickly, because we don't have a huge amount of time left. You've put out a couple of books, uh, Perth Then and Now, and also Lost Perth, not not to be confused with another uh, Lost with Perth With another initiative. lovely
2: set of books, yes.
1: Um, some phenomenal photos... Uh, and, and if anyone has, has even the slightest interest in, in seeing w- what Perth was like, uh, you know, back in years gone by, it's a great place to start. But where did you get access to all of those photos? They where, prin- where do they exist?
2: They principally came from the Batty Library, the State Library, who have the most remarkable collection of photographs. Yeah. In addition to that, some from the, the Library of West Australian, the newspaper, mm. who have a, a a photo library going back to the... Probably the 1880s, yep. and also the Royal Western Australian Historical Society, who have a pretty smart one, and City of Perth Library, just in in St George's, uh, by St George's Cathedral. They've got some unique ones. Um, I really, when I was asked by London publisher to do Perth Then and Now, I suddenly realised I'd I'd got a an absolutely perfect excuse to go and immerse myself in in the library and and look through the pictures. And it's one of those projects where you get diverted because you see a picture of something else and you want to find out about it. We are also very lucky that in the late 1850s, early 1860s, Alfred Stone, who was a lawyer here, took up photography as a hobby, and he was very good at it. And the Batty Library has about a 1,000 glass plate negatives of his, of Perth, and and his family and, and, and other things. And they, unlike a lot of the same age, have been kept very, very well. And boy, do they print up beautifully. So we've got a unique 1860s set of photographs of Perth as it was then. And so I used those heavily in Mm. both books, uh, Mm. Then and Now and Lost Perth, both of which I'm amazed to say, are on the Australian bestseller list.
1: There you go. Testament to the quality of of what you've put together and also to the quality of the photos. So it also
2: says a lot for the voracious appetite for heritage and history that, that well, Perth citizens have.
1: Well that's good and due in no small part to your efforts I'm sure. Um, as you've learnt more and more about um, the the 50,000 years uh, of Aboriginal history here, how has that um, influenced your your take on Perth's history oh. and, and, and the way you take people on tours of, and, of Perth. Because I think, you know, it's fantastic that people are becoming more and more aware yeah. uh, of the stories that predate by so long. I think actually <laughs>
2: it's, it, it's settlement it here. greatly influenced my own personal philosophy about uh, about life, how, how they have survived. And, you know, they, they know so much about this yeah. land uh, and being on country. Um, It's influenced me a lot because I have the greatest respect for that 50, 60, 70,000 year history. And I want to tell people about it at every juncture and make sure that they know we are in a very, very historic place. Uh, So every talk starts with an acknowledgement by just giving a a quick overview of the Aboriginal history of of this place um, rather than... uh, the usual acknowledgement to say, look, this history goes back all this way and there is all this evidence here. You can see it here, here and here. Um, it, 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 as I said at the beginning of this, it's humbling yeah. and uh, it's a story that must be told. Yeah.
1: I'd love to uh, just finish on this this final question. Uh, if, if you could just uh, sink your teeth into one heritage project here to, pro- to protect one standing building here in the in the city of Perth. Uh, which one would you feel most passionate about
2: that that hasn't been protected so far because yes. we're, we're yep. protecting protected that might find so itself on the many. chopping block
1: by an eager developer oh, at some gosh, point gosh
2: that is so difficult without it's a question that needs notice <laughs> i think um i'm not sure what isn't being respected at the moment i yep. think we are getting very very good at adapting these buildings so that they continue to be useful mm. um and long may we continue to do that. I yep. think everything is a lot, lot safer than it was 20, 25 years ago yep. in terms of a visit from the wrecking ball. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. We've made some progress. We certainly have.
1: Richard Offen, thank you very much for coming in and sharing your story. We appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. You've been listening to Inspiring Stories here on 882 6PR. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. We look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another
0: WA inspiring story. You're listening to another inspiring story brought to you by Barra and O'Day because the little things are everything. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it